All right, are we ready? Mm-hmm. All right, welcome to Everything Trying to Kill You, the official podcast of the CDC on the rousing topic of virology. Or the super fun and smart podcast that discusses your favorite horror movies. I always forget which one is which. Anyway, I'm Megan. I'm Mary. Hi, hi. I'm Mary Kay. Today we're talking about Richard Donner's 1976 film, The Omen. Because it has everything that Mary Kay likes in a horror film. Oh my gosh. If y'all didn't know, (laughs) evil kids are in my trifecta of shit I can't handle. And, like, demon possessions, right? Aren't, like, demon possessions in there? Yeah, but there's no demons in this one. It's different. He's literally the Antichrist, so it's... Yeah, but he's not a demon. Yeah, he's an no, evil kid, okay. for sure. Well, is he not, like, sicking the demons on other people? Yeah. Not yet. But what the hell's on that dog, then? Yeah, the dog literally hmm. is a demon dog. Hmm. And you hate animals. Look, it's got animals. It's I don't got... hate animals. I just don't, like, identify with them very much. Yeah. I don't have anything against animals. I think animals are usually worth 10 of most people. But I also don't like people very much. I just remember you saying before that you said, I'm not a, an animal person or a people person. That's which true. I think is also one of my favorite Mary Kay quotes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> speaking of animals. Yes. Yeah, speaking of animals, the dog just put a claw so deep in my butt I thought I was going to die. That is not what we're going with this. Learn to <laughs> read the room, Mary. <laughs> speaking of animals, what would your Satan animal be? Icebreaker of the year, y'all. Go, Mary. Probably this dog that put a claw inside my butt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think mine would be an orca because I love them, and also it would be so inconvenient. (laughs) You bitch. (laughs) You bitch. (laughs) Uh, Mine would be a snake. It's real on the nose, but I just figure, like, why overthink it? You know, just go with what we know. You're right. Yeah. All right. Mine is going to be, It's you're going to think at first it's going to be real on the nose, but then I'm going to switch it up. Mine would be a goat, but not like a cool, like, black Philip goat. I want to be like one of those cute little fainting goats that people are like, oh, that's oh so gosh, cute. And that's I'm going to be most, like, I'm That's more than a fucking orca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> but what I, I would never be scared because I'm Satan. That's true, but it is counterintuitive to be a fainting goat. But I used to tell my friend Sarah back when I was into pranking a lot um, that I wanted to be best friends with a fainting goat and a jellyfish and a squid. I'm not a jellyfish, a blowfish and a squid. I was like, a jellyfish and a squid are real close to each other. Because they all have extreme reactions to being scared. They do. Mm -hmm. So... I think that would be fun to be a snake and be best friends Could you imagine with those three animals. The next time you're like walking down the street, some dude's walking too close to you, trying to talk to you, and you just shit ink. Yeah. <laughs> or just blow up to five times my size. <laughs> or just pass out on the sidewalk. <laughs> okay, that last one is probably not practical. No, that's why Megan wants to be the devil fainting goat. That's why I'm the devil fainting Ridiculous. goat. Ridiculous. I'm not scared of shit. I'm not going to faint. People are going to be like, that's the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. Then I'm going to be like, Satan. Oh, I see. Disarm them. So then just be a normal goat. I don't want to be a normal goat. I want to be the cutest fucking fainting pygmy goat you have ever seen, Mary. You can be a small goat that just doesn't faint. Mary, Mary, <laughs> shut your orca ass up. I'm a pygmy goat. God. Actually, orcas have like really highly evolved language systems, so... They probably wouldn't shut up. You're right. This is a fantasy of yours. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. Orca was mine and Snake was my backup, so I had to think on my feet. Yeah, I think you did great. (laughs) 
<laughs> and you even punned on your feet. Ayo. Thank you. Ayo. Oh my gosh. So speaking of things that are not scary at all, <laughs> why is this movie scary? Wait, things that are not scary at all, like Satan? Is that where you're going with this? No, I was talking about the fainting goat is not scary at all. Okay, because I was going to say... They're scaredy. They're skittish. Satan can hear this podcast. <laughs> I'm bad at my job because I can't segue between random shit on the fly. <laughs> You're right. I should just resign. Also, Mary, what the hell did you just say about Satan in this podcast? Because it sounded like you said, I feel Satan in this podcast, but like in the same tone that Pam did at the Dundies when she's like, I feel God in this Chili's. Woo! Oh uh, no, <laughs> I was saying... I feel Satan in this podcast. I was saying that I feel like there is a circle of hell that is people just having to listen to us doing this podcast on a loop. Where like at first they're like, hell's not so bad. And then after a while they're like, why does that Mary character ever stop? Make her stop. Hey, one man's hell is another man's total package. Hey. You're right. My coworker started listening to us today. Yeah, And it was super weird because she was like one away. And she's like, we communicate over Skype at work. Like obviously like we're at desk, but it's just easy. She's like, she's Skyping me the whole time. She's like, she listened to the Black Swan and she's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm eavesdropping on three fans and I shouldn't be listening and this is the best thing ever. And I was like, that's the best compliment ever. That's exactly what Emily Brooks, awesome. Emily Brooks, who was on our Deliverance episode, huge horror fan. So she was one of my first friends to start listening and she said that it felt like she was just like at brunch or having drinks with friends <laughs> and she just happens to not be talking. Yeah. And I was like, I'll take it. That's why I had her on. Yeah, I that's love it. kind of our niche. That's what we were going for, right? Yeah. Yeah, so basically we're perfect and incredible and not scary at all. Speaking so, of things that are scary. things to look forward to in hell. My God, Mary, you ruined my segue. Things to look forward Again. to in hell. <sighs> Mary's a life ruiner. All right, you transition us then, bitch. Do it. Yeah, transition us then. If your segues are so much better, are you just making the grudge noise? Yep, I was. Um, oh, my God. Actually, <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen that. I've never seen that. I just can make that sound. I just know that noise is frightening. But for real, though, so if, if, like, okay, pygmy goats aren't scary, and orca's not scary, can't get to you, Satan is everywhere, he, she, it is with us always, right? But also, this movie takes a lot of liberties with, like, what Satan is up to ever. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, pretty much. I know I'm a pastor's kid, so I've got a lot of thoughts and feelings about the Bible in general, but you don't have to be super familiar with the Bible to know that, like, thing you keep saying is not the bible that is a poem yeah and i was like you don't have to first of all you don't have to rewrite revelations for it to be scary because it is the ultimate horror show forever mm-hmm. and put that couplet shit away mm-hmm. no if you're gonna write a doomsday poem it is not in couplets yeah no it's not it's an iambic pentameter also, it's a little anti-Semitic, right? A little bit. Oh, sure. When the Jews return to Zion, they're there. That's where they are at. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, like, beasts coming up out of the sea and shit. Like, you didn't need Like to- orcas. You didn't need to show Silverstein revelation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's where the sidewalk ends. That's a good start. First the sidewalk ends, and then the Jews return to Zion. <laughs> Can we start calling hell where the sidewalk ends? Absolutely. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh-oh. I do kind of feel like it's a chasm, though. Makes sense that there would be, like, a sidewalk that you could just, like, run off into. Yeah, the sidewalk oh. that you saunter up to, and then you, like, look over the edge, and it's oh. just a big hole. Redirect. Yes. I'm calling my vagina where the sidewalk ends. <laughs> yes. 
Also, the sidewalks anywhere that I've ever tried to run have been like the hellishest route. Mm-hmm. Because they're always, they got roots growing up through them. Lately, there are these bird scooters all on the fucking sidewalk. They're a sidewalk, not a side park your shit wherever you want. Put that shit on the side. Oh my God, I'm so sick. Those were everywhere in Rome, as if Rome isn't already a crappy enough city to navigate. Oh my gosh. I mean, I get the point of them, but like, have a little common sense. Like, you're not even supposed to be on the sidewalk with those. Well, so now in Austin, it is legal to ride like the scooters and, and bikes and stuff on the sidewalk. So I told you guys that I tried one once, right? One of these scooters. Mm-hmm. And that it was the actual scariest thing that's ever happened to me. Oh my god, it's a scooter, Mary. No, it is <laughs> not. Mary has a low tolerance for horror, if you guys didn't know that. You think you can handle being Orca Satan and you can't even ride a bird scooter? It was. And you think you're going to be Orca Satan? No, I'm going to sit down I'm going to hire an Orca Satan. <laughs> Damien, Damien and his dog are not the same person. You're right. Neither will be my Orca companion. You're right. That's why I need an orca companion, because I'm terrified of a fucking scooter. Do you know how fast those go? Do you know where your center of gravity is? Me neither, bitch. What is that orca going to do when you're on a scooter in the middle of Texas? That's why I said it's not practical. You just said that's why I need a Satan orca. Like, Well, because... You're putting loopholes and plot holes. I want a Satan orca. I understand that it's not a practical thing, and that my Satan needs... Moral of the story is you should be able to trust your priest. Or any you're priest. Right. And that's one of the scariest thing about... Yes. One of the scariest things about this movie to me is because, I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, your priest should not... Or any priest, or any person, even in the medical, whatever, with adoption, should not be telling you to lie to your wife about that her kid died. That should not be a thing. No. Nobody should do that, and I... Feel like on the spectrum of people that should do that, like the priest is at the far end of yes. the spectrum. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, just movie wise, little on the nose with the six six sixes. This movie didn't this movie kind of make the six six sixes a big thing? Like it says that, like the, the Bible oh, okay. says that. But no, that was part of the marketing campaign for this. Well, it also it released on June sixth of nineteen seventy six. Like it released on six six six, and right. it tried to play up that whole thing because other than that. The only really, like, devil child movie that came out before this was Rosemary's Baby, right. and Rosemary's Baby didn't play up the whole 666, so this one's like, we're going to be different. No, no, yeah. yeah, yeah, this movie definitely, like, punched that up. They used it in a ton of marketing materials. In fact, they did an early screening where they, like, had people into a theater, and when they came out of the movie, they had then put posters everywhere with their release date of 666. Yeah. So that people would, like, come out of the movie and then be freaked out to realize, like, oh, you can't release this movie on that day. That's terrible. Ah, it's a bad omen. So you see how that works? Yeah. But it was definitely, mm-hmm. nowadays, a little on the nose. And I felt the same way about the Satan dog. Yeah, I guess if they made it the cliche, though, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that. Um, but I was, the other thing I was going to say is that one of the first images that we get with the cinematography is of the nun in the nursery holding the baby that he's going to adopt and then them reflected mm-hmm. in the, in the glass between them. I just thought that was a really spooky and also kind of beautiful image with him in the middle. Yeah. And then you have the father on the right and then uh, the adoptive father on the left. But it was, I thought that was a cool image. Also, um, like while we're talking about priests and uh, Christianity as rep- or misrepresented in this movie, Father Brenner is really scary. Yes. Yes, he is. He just shows up. That I guess it's not the UN, it's like the US Embassy, right? In England. Mm-hmm. And he wants to meet with the ambassador, and the ambassador is like, Yeah, sure, send him up. First of all, that would never happen now. No, absolutely. Never, ever, not. ever happen. No. Um, You're going to have to take your shoes off and walk through that little x ray machine. 
Yeah, and make an appointment. Also, yes. Also, maybe give some information on who the fuck you are before they're just like, yeah, cool. Right, and it wasn't even the same priest as before, which confused me a little. Yeah. But he also tries to convert this very intelligent atheist man in the scariest way. He says, drink his blood. Transubstantiation is not supposed to be used as a scare tactic, you guys. Like, that's just, I don't think that's how they would go about doing it. And that was another scary thing, too, where it's like, I wasn't already very, like, creeped out by these rituals that would do it. Well, I felt like that was the point. It's like, oh, man, if you think about it, the good guys do a terrifying thing, too. Like, part of this ritual that, you know, is happening every Sunday everywhere is it's just like a shade to the left of cannibalism. That's the point. Mm-hmm. That, that is the entire point. Like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. When you really phrase it that way, though, like, outside of the actual liturgy, and then he took the bread and broke it and gave it for all to eat, saying, this is my body. Like, if you take it out of that language and are like, eat me, then this is either Alice in Wonderland, which is adorable. But also creepy. Or, dear God. A zombie film? Yeah. Do you guys want to hear something super quick and super cute? Mm-hmm. so I went to when I last time I was in Charleston my sister-in-law and my nephews were getting ready to go to church and they're like do you want to go with us and I was like sure you know because obviously like I'm going to take any chance to spend with those precious little nuggets and they were doing the little the bread and the grape juice little thing but my nephew was super hungry because he wouldn't put his pants on so they were late and he didn't get to eat breakfast and he like walked up and very loudly was like anyone got any more of that body of Christ they don't want and I was like oh my god Ethan <laughs> <laughs> sit down, sweet baby angel, sit down. <laughs> oh, goodness. I love them. Proceed. I just needed to tell somebody about that. That's amazing. Fucking kids, man. When I was a kid, every time we were at the dinner table, because we did know the whole like service, you know, every time we had water chestnuts in our mixed vegetables. Gross. We would do a full communion service and pretend our water chestnuts were communion wafers. Oh, my God. Yeah, talk about bringing work home with you. My poor dad just had to sit there while we were like, ha ha ha, it's hilarious. Your job is a joke. We're laughing. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> not, that we, not that we thought it's a joke, obviously. No, of course not. Certainly acted like it was. Jeez. Segway Queen, help us. You talk about the Omen Curse? That will definitely follow us after we record this podcast and make all these jokes about this movie. Um, I wanted to talk about the room at the, yes. I guess it's at the YMCA. Yeah. It's across from the church that Father Brenner stays in after his mm-hmm. the accident. Yeah. Um, which I couldn't tell if it was God smiting him or if he was being tortured into the wrong place at the wrong time by the demons, I guess, that Damien would have cast at him. I didn't Wait, know which was happening. Didn't Brenner have the mark? The 666? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, right. So he's, like, fighting, uh, trying to fight off Satan with all of this. Right. This effort. Yeah, I, I assumed that that's what... So it's Satan that attacks him and kills him then? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He betrayed his, his birth directive. Mm-hmm. I feel like when in doubt, it's always Satan. Probably. Yeah. yeah, and I also... I thought that that might have been the case, uh-huh. but the police thought he was crazy because of the way that he had essentially put pages of the Bible all around his room to keep evil out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the only piece that was peeled back was so that he could see the church across the, I guess across the alley, across the street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, even then, knowing that, knowing that he was trying to protect himself, still left to try to rescue, I guess most, like most of humanity from the Antichrist. 
Yeah. So I just feel like, and this is the thing about demons that scares me, is that they're so deceptive. You can't figure out if what you're doing is, is right because you believe it's right and you have it in your heart, or if you're being manipulated. So that's pretty scary to me. And on like a less philosophical level where hopefully like this part resonates with everyone, even if they don't agree with like the theology that I have, the police thought he was crazy. So they didn't mind the photographer poking around in his room. Yeah. Like I know it's the seventies, but also it is still like, I guess it's a freak accident, but still like, it's not your business. Yeah. And it's, um, trespassing at the, at the U S embassy. Like that's something that you should investigate. I mean, we definitely do it now because if someone trespassed on a U.S. embassy, instant terrorism. Absolutely. So, I I mean, that was another thing. Like, the photographer also, I did not like him from the jump because I hated his accent and his haircut. Oh, my God. Um, And also, he just seemed really imposing. Like, why are you taking these loud pictures at a child's birthday party? Like, they don't, you're, you shouldn't be here. But um, I ended up growing to like him because he had more Mm -hmm. conviction than, than many of the characters. Well, that's a cool setup, right? To have him, to, to open with him at the birthday party, taking the pictures. And it all seems kind of creepy in his reaction. Yeah. So the nanny's suicide is kind of odd. So then when he pops back up and is like, you have to listen to me, it seems really fraught. And then the reveal mm-hmm. of him being yeah. one of the good guys is really cool, which makes his ultimate yeah. conclusion that much more, that much more affecting. Yeah, that, that's yeah, true. That they had to earn your interest and, and trust in him and yank it away. Um... The Omen curse, for real, though. Oh, my God. When you put that in your outline, are you talking about how the movie was cursed? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so ready. All right. So, like our other horror possession movie friends, The Exorcist and Rosemary's Baby and all that, this film was cursed with some pretty ridiculous things. So, uh, John Richardson, who is... He, like, created all of the iconic death scenes in the movie, and one of the most, you know, we just talked about... That beheading scene was intense. That's Yeah, that's what I'm about to mention. So we have the beheading of the photographer. So that scene, which is super gory and incredible for the time, not incredible is a terrible word, but I'm going to stick by it. It is, though, because as it was happening, I was like, how did they do these, these practical effects to look like this? Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. But a couple months after The Omen came out, he was in Holland working on another film, and his assistant was involved in a deadly car crash, and she was cut in half and looked really, like the death scene photographs looked really, really similar to the photographs from this movie. And then after the car crash, because he was in it, but he didn't die, and he was pretty dazed, and he recalls that the first thing that he saw was a town called O-M-M-E-N, like Amen, uh, 666. And the closest town was Amen, Netherlands, at 666 kilometers away. So I don't know if that's true. I feel like it's an odd amount of kilometers. He (laughs) claims that that's what he saw. I'm trying to like go through my outline here and see what's next, what I have on here. We talked about the cheesy release date, and then we have, what is it, Richard Peck? Gregory Peck. Oh, Gregory Peck. Gregory Peck was Ambassador Thorne, and right before he flew to England to shoot for it, his son shot himself and committed suicide and didn't leave a note. And even though he was super grief-stricken, he decided to still go shoot anyway, and his plane got shot with lightning twice. 
on his way. Like two different planes. Each plane got shot with lightning. Like what are the I odds? thought it was that he was struck by lightning and then somebody else in the production was had their plane struck by lightning. Um, I think it's the same plane. But, but yeah, maybe same plane, different people. I think I might have got my facts confused. And also, yeah, well, he his his son had committed suicide. Um, it was he almost came out of retirement to do this. Yeah, he hadn't been working as consistently, and his involvement lent the production a lot of juge. It, it really took off when this legend of the screen signed onto it, and he took a pay cut, but took a cut of the box office take. So this ended up being. Mm-hmm. His highest grossing role ever, like his biggest paycheck for a role ever, far and away. Oh, wow, I didn't know because, that. Yeah, because he took a percentage of a box office. Interesting. I just remember him as Atticus Finch, and yeah. he's one of my literary crushes. Him and Van Helsing. <laughs> he's so handsome. He is. He is. And he has a voice that... Roman Holiday, are, are you kidding me? Woo! My goodness. Run away with it. Last two tiny tidbits of film cursage, and then I'll shut up. But then there's the scene where Gregory Peck is attacked by the pack of Rottweilers. And that one, the, the dogs were supposed to attack him in like this big stuntman suit. Obviously the stuntman in a big padded suit. But the dogs managed to rip through the padding and almost killed him. He was in critical condition and got pretty mangled. The film was also supposed to end with a scene where there were a bunch of zoo animals that were menacing Damien. But... The zookeeper was not able to wrangle one of the tigers, and he ate him. So they cut the scene. Whoa. (laughs) Damn. Yeah. So, womp, womp, womp. There's a whole bunch more, but I'm not going to go through all of the facts. Can I just make a request for films that have violent scenes? Use a stunt person and take some precautions and get insurance. Oh, no, the animal handler was who was killed. I know. I'm saying, okay. like, use precaution was one of them. Yeah. Well, oh, and that, yeah. well, that's what made the dog situation. I, I thought, for some reason, I thought it was the um, the other actor, the reporter, who was badly injured. Because um, I think he ended up being, I thought he ended up being hospitalized, but he had... Uh, there were a lot of actual actors that were injured, yeah. but I know, like, specifically it was a stuntman with the dogs. Yeah, yeah. There were appropriate precautions taken and still... Oh, oh, Gregory Peck, when they filmed in Israel, mm-hmm. he was supposed to come back on one flight, ended up changing his flight. The plane crashed, killing everyone aboard. Yeah, like, I don't think if I were him, I would ever give on a plane again. I think I would be done flying. Yeah, there are just a bunch of weird things, yeah. But apparently, all of this cursing and evil can only happen to white people, as evidenced by the fact that they are the only people who exist in this Omen universe. Hooray! We're all saved! When we come back to America, there's black people at the funeral. Oh, good. Well, how convenient. I know. I'm just saying, I watch for it, you know? Yeah, I know. waiting. Mm-hmm. Me too. I was like, oh, good. Yes, we are, we are known for our mourning, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I know. Finally, we're there. I mean, I'm okay with us only being there once it's all over, except that apparently it wasn't all over, and there's a demon child nope. will kill again. It was just getting started. Yeah. Yeah. Can I talk about the strangers in this movie, about how people just come up in their world, and Atticus Finch is like, okay. <laughs> Number one, Atticus would never put Jim and Scout in that situation. You're right. Would he take you in a stray? Absolutely. That's what Dill was, right? 
Kind of like a yeah. stray cousin, like a neighbor kid that just came over and chewed <laughs> on his front teeth. And that's fine. And he brought that kid from school over that didn't, like, that his family was extra poor and everything. And he was like, let's talk to you about what you like to talk about. This guy is not Atticus, though. And it tricked me. Because he lets the priest convince him to lie to his wife for five years about her child having died. Which is dumb. Which is horrifying. How could you do that? Also, he didn't sign any papers. There's no, like, adoption papers. There's no, like, crazy amount of paperwork that you have to do to be able to take this child across seas, literally. Which, as an overseas adopted child, that's bullshit. Yes. <laughs> yes. So there's one stranger that comes up in the world that has not been accounted for. Which, I mean, I know, again, I know it's the 70s and we don't have, like, electronic data, which would have helped their snipe hunt a ton at the end when they're trying to find Damien's mom. Also, nobody cross-checks the nanny's references. Nobody checks on that first nanny. Holly just shows up and then she leaves, basically. Those nannies are a hot mess. They are a hot mess. And that dog. I would, I counted. I would have fired that nanny on four separate occasions. Because you don't have strangers in the house. Stranger danger is real. I know this is the 70s. This is pre 1980s stranger danger. But still, it's real. And you don't let strangers in the house. But it's like, it's the late 70s. Stranger fear is starting to brew. And satanic panic. Also Which is also legit. That's what, if I had children, that's what I would teach them. I wouldn't even tell them the phrase stranger danger. I would be like, satanic 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 panic. panic. And I would just tell them that that means that they have to be good. Mm -hmm. Do you think it would? Oh my God. It does. Do you think it would work? No, uh, I, I don't. I'm so ready for motherhood. You're so prepared. While we're talking about the birthday party and motherhood, why is Damien <laughs> turning five and not seven? That's such a given. Like, he should be turning six or seven, not five. Because no one asked us. I thought you guys might have an actual answer. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Six lines up with the 666 motif, mm -hmm. and seven is the age of accountability, where it's like, no, you're consciously making choices now. So... That didn't make any sense to me. Because it's scarier if a kindergartner is Satan. I guess so. I guess the younger, the scarier. Can you imagine an actual kindergartner being like, hello, everybody, I'm Satan. Yeah. It's time to finger paint. Yes. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> finger paint little upside down crosses. Well, here's the thing. And this is something I thought about while I was watching. I was like, is this like, is he willfully doing these things? Or is he an instrument? Like, is he Satan or is he the vessel? Is he like a five-year-old kid? I mean, that's the thing about the sun, right? Yeah. It's a perversion of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was like, oh, I wonder if the issue is that he's like, that he doesn't know what he's doing or doesn't mean to be doing what he's doing, right? Is he young enough that he just, like, is he just the conduit? I'm of the mind that all children are chaotic neutral. And all of a sudden he's like, gotta ride my bike real fast on this tiny hallway balcony thing. But he doesn't like mean to hurt her. And then she falls and he's like, oh shit, just runs off. Or is he like, haha, gotta murder my mom right quick? Oh my god, stop it. I think it's the gotta murder my mom right quick. I think so. Also, I want to talk about one of the reasons that I would have fired the nanny. May I? Please tell me. I guess we can talk about, well, no, we'll table that when we get into sexism. So if you want to talk about it, when you talk about sexism, you are in sweet, sweet luck. Let's talk about sexism just in general. Oh, hooray! I'm in luck with sexism. Another horror movie from the 70s, ripe with sexism. This one's less bad, I feel like, than Rosemary's Baby. It's, you're absolutely correct. Agreed. But not a lot better. There's nobody force-feeding a rank milkshake to somebody and telling her to shut up and be polite, so... Oh my gosh, I just told my friend that the other day. He moved into my neighborhood, 
And I was like, I hope you're ready for me to be your neighbor because I'm going to be like that incomprehensible woman in Rosemary's Baby that just shows up and feeds you demon milkshakes. Like, I'm going to be that. because, But I'll be incomprehensible because I'll be drunk. Not because I, I don't know, her crazy accent. Remember her? Minnie. She I had do. that turban. Also, favorite. turban was the best outfit in this movie, too. Whenever she wore the turban to the wedding. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes, bitch. You look like Sophia Loren. Do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish turbans were like, I mean, fa- like fashion-wise, I know that they have, obviously, like you wear them for spiritual purposes, but I wish that they were like just this turban. You know what I'm talking about. Like the, the hair wrap, little turban yeah, things. Yeah, the wraps were yeah. in style. I mean, it's not really a wrap, though, because that is in style. Like, wearing the scarf. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Unless I straighten my hair significantly, that is not going to work on my head, I don't think. Oh, if my hair straight, it just slides right off. I have too much hair to fit under anything. Mm. That sounds like a great problem to have. If I get my hair yeah. wet, I look like a rat with alopecia. I'm sorry, did you mean feral angel? That's what I heard. I heard her say, when I get my hair wet, I look like a feral angel. I look like a feral <laughs> angel with alopecia and a halo. Oh my God. <laughs> You're so beautiful. <laughs> but you don't want to touch me. Yet you do have the impulse upon saying this to Does touch she me. have rabies? The world may never know. Well, it was probably we had at work that has like super serious mange. So it has like, it's so cute, but it has like no fur. The thing is, it has no fur. So you can't see that fur is missing. It just looks like a raisin. With, like, little legs. You don't look like a raisin, Mary. We're moving I, on. Well, you that's what you think. I go to the Great Lakes to avoid raisin appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, wait. On the topic of sexism, though, the psychiatrist, I could not get past. What a, like, bold and beautiful moment it is when she says, like, I need help. I need to see a psychiatrist. Yeah. Especially for the time to say, yeah. like, no, 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 I need to see, talk to a professional. Motherfucker turns right around and is like, so your wife really can talk. Like, oh my yeah. God. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. And then he says something about uh, she wants an abortion, right? Yeah. She thinks the child's not hers. She has a lot of concern. I mean, it says like some legit stuff, which he shouldn't say, but it's like legitimate things that yeah. he needs to know. And then I did appreciate, though, when he's like, she, you need to consider this. And um, Thorne was like, absolutely not. And he goes, well, I'd like to hear your reason. Like, I appreciated that he challenged him and wasn't just yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. whatever you say. Because I think that, I don't know about the situation, but I feel like if I felt like my child that I was hosting in my body was the devil, I would really appreciate it if someone was like... <laughs> Let's hear her out. (laughs) They just think I would really appreciate that. (laughs) If one day you ever feel like you're harboring the spawn of Satan, Mary Kay, I will absolutely listen to you. Shit, I'm going to run off a cliff like those pigs. They got the wrong one. Oh, my God. I would listen to you, but also I would record you. Then I would make a remix and put it on YouTube. That's a true friend. Would you like auto tune it? Yeah, yeah, like the beginning of Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah. Unbreakable. <laughs> All right, I will give twenty dollars to the first viewer to auto tune like a two minute segment of this podcast and make a video out of it. Oh my gosh, twenty dollars yeah. gift card of your choice. I love it. But no, the psychiatrist wasn't terrible. He just didn't. It was like you were so close to being actually awesome, and then you destroyed confidentiality. He just fell flat. Yeah. I just, mm-hmm. just ruined it. Because that's the thing. The men in this movie have a lot of agency and the women are like, oh no, Satan. 
and either are they're tools. Yeah, they're either helpless or they mm-hmm. are agents of the devil or God. We have nuns too. Yeah, the good nuns. They're just minor characters, but listen. I just want to let it be known that I would punch Satan square in the face if he tried to pull some bullshit and I dare a man to try and one-up me. I would punch him in the dick. (laughs) You don't believe me? I wrote it. Mary Kay's like, I'm not punching Satan anywhere. I already told you I'd run off a cliff first. (laughs) I just said I would run off a cliff. I wrote it in the outline, so I clearly mean it. I said, well, I would punch him in the penis, so there. So... I dare Mary to try to one-up me. Mary's about to catch some hands. I just did. You said punch face. I said punch penis. We all know what men really care about. I won. Does Satan really care about his dick, though? I want to talk about Kathy. Yeah, let's talk about Kathy and not how Satan feels about his penis. I mean, I feel like he might have several, actually. That's okay. Fair. I imagine he would. Yeah. Like an octopus in his pants? Yeah. Oh, my God, Mary Kay. Please talk about Kathy quick before this derails any further about Satan's octodick. I'm trying to get my idea together. Okay. So, I did want to know about how I think that mental health in these movies is often confused with uh, evil, and I don't think those are the same. I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but I don't think they're the same. And what she thinks, because she doesn't have faith according to, like, what we know from her of the movie is that it seems like she thinks that she has some paranoia or some delusions or something that she can't shake. And so that's why Mm -hmm. she wants to go to the mental health professional. And I was wondering if she wants the abortion because she is afraid of Damien killing her, or if she thinks that Damien will kill her baby, or if she thinks that her child that she is about to have is evil. I interpreted it as her concern that Damien would try to kill her and or baby, considering that that early on, okay. it, it could kind of go either way. Because yeah. mm-hmm. if she thinks Damien's not hers, then she is not like the vessel for Satan, right? Like she wouldn't have a right. kid that is evil. She didn't have a kid that is evil. She's already expressed to the psychiatrist that she doesn't even think he's her kid. Yeah. I interpreted the, uh, the information that way. I also felt like, and this is just... I mean, this is not drawing on any personal experience, but she definitely seems challenged by the nannies. Like, she feels like they're threatening her motherhood uh, when she takes Damien from Holly, and then Holly ruins the party, basically, by jumping off of, by mm-hmm. hanging herself. Um, although Damien makes her do it. I, yeah, not basically, like, definitely ruins I mean, yeah, she definitely ruins it, but that's not her goal, right? Her goal is, like, self-sacrifice for Damien. Because he tells her to do it. She looks at the dog. The dog tells her to do it. Yeah. Right? It's all for you, Damien. Look at me. Yeah, that is such a haunting... Is that not like That is literally one of the most iconic and creepy scenes mm-hmm. in all of film ever. Because she jumps off and you expect it to do what most horror movies do is right before it gets to that critical point yeah. where you see like the gore, it's going to pan away or it's going to shaky cam. And, like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't. It zooms in, and you just see everything about it, and her body, like, slam into the window, and you're just... And then it just hangs there Mm -hmm. for a second. It doesn't, like, immediately pan away to show reactions. Like, it relies on you reacting before it shows you how to react. Yeah. And you're just like, what the fuck did I just watch? So good. Yeah, and you even see Kathy... Hers is the main reaction we see, right? And you see Mm -hmm. her mouth, oh, my God. Yeah. And then with the second nanny... 
and immediately starts challenging her, like right away. Like I'll go up there and talk to him. And Kathy's like, I don't, he doesn't warm up to strangers too easily. I'm going to go up there with you. And she's like, no, it'll be fine. Don't worry. You know where I see that all the time right now is at the shelter when we're like, this dog needs a certain kind of approach. And someone's like, I'm great with dogs. And I'm like, haha, you know who says that? People who are not great with dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People who've had a lot of luck so far and have never actually tried to deal with, with challenging. Retrievers. Yeah, with a challenging dog. <laughs> yeah. So we have that nanny and she also is the one who ultimately kills Kathy later. But before we get to that, the nanny won't let her take Damien to church. Won't let her take her son yeah. to church. That is the fourth and final reason I would have fired that nanny. Just for the record. Like, absolutely not. You don't tell me how to, first of all, raise my kid. Second of all, that he can't go to church because they won't understand it. Kids understand a lot. Also, if your kid has no discipline, of course it's not going to be weird when he pitches a fit because he doesn't want to go into a church. Also, you clearly never tried to get me and my two siblings to church between the years of, like, 1993 and 2002. It was a bloodbath. We could be in a car for 24 hours straight driving to Wisconsin and fine. 10 minutes to get to church. There were tears. There was actual blood. There was like, that was a circle of hell. That was a different one from the one with the podcast, but it was also a circle of hell. Are we talking about the scene where he has that meltdown in the car? Yeah. On the way to church? Uh Yeah. But like, is he having a breakdown because he has no discipline? Or is no, he having... he's having a breakdown because he's going to bl- explode into flames. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. But they yeah. think it's because he's badly behaved. Yeah. Oh, well, the behavior therapist in me rolled my eyes at least 28 and a half times through this film. Oh, yeah. It's like, please stop reinforcing that maladaptive behavior. Right. I desperately need to know what was the half eye roll. (laughs) (laughs) What only warranted half an eye roll? Like, did one eye roll, the other did? Yeah, it was just one. They were both so tired from rolling that I just rolled one. Oh my God, you gotta get that checked, girl. No, I'm gonna join the circus. I just tried to do it and now my forehead hurts. (laughs) I watched you try to do it too. You almost succeeded, girl. They'll have to give me those glasses like I had when I was a kid. They were huge and red, and they made my eyesight worse so that my muscles would get strong and my lazy eye would stop. I I had those too. Yeah, but if you keep rolling one eye at a time, they're going to come back. Oh my God, don't tell me what to do with my life shit. I care about you, and I care about your eyeballs, and I care about your glasses wearing, and the ones you're wearing are very cute and not as cute as the giant red ones. Thanks. That's because my lazy eye is now fixed. My best friend cousin, when I was a kid, she had one lazy eye, and so she had to wear a patch over one eye, and it was really cute, and then we were in the grocery store one time, and this kid asked his mom, why does she have a patch over her eye, which is a normal question for like a three-year-old, and the mom was like, I don't know, maybe her sister hit her. Okay. Talk about me! stared at this bitch and I was like are you for fucking real why would you hit that kid Mary Kay god Mary Kay why would you punch her bitch I'm eight (laughs) I remember being so uh so like right uh so mad at that lady (laughs) I just thought about that it was a recovered memory I can't help but notice that you have not actually addressed the question which is of whether or not you hit your sister. No, I didn't. And it, I don't have a, I have a stepsister. Which is not but... your sister. <laughs> Does Mary Kay, do you have a sister? No, no. I, have, I, mean, I have a stepsister. But the, no, she was my cousin. I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's so what I wanted I to be like, number one, bitch, you're wrong. Don't assume just because we're both brown that we're related even though we are. Number two, 
<laughs> like, no, she just assumed that you were more closely related than you were. It's yeah. Different. I mean, we were real close growing up, so it's fine. I was say, did you not do that with your friends, though? Like, pretend that you were... I did it all the time, because since my parents looked so different, depending on which parent we were with, you just had to buy it. I didn't. Yeah. I was brown, and I lived in Charleston, South Carolina. There were not other brown people. I had nobody to pretend to be related to. I had me and myself. I would have been your friend. Oh, my God, thank you. I would have been your friend, Megan. <laughs> I would pretend any of my friends were related to me, because if you looked at my whole family... You couldn't tell me I was lying. I could just pull the I'm adopted card because I really am adopted. I'd be just like, look, I absolutely do look like Brittany right here. <laughs> Don't look like her, but she's my sister. I was adopted. Family takes all forms, you piece of shit. Oh my God. Like, did you, did you say that? <laughs> That's the title. <laughs> You're right. Family takes all You're forms, so... including a Rottweiler. You piece of shit. You ignorant <laughs> shit. Oh, you piece of shit. Just kidding. I misquoted. Oh my god. Um, wait, wait, they're both good. But like leading into this like conversation we're about to have about like prophecy and prophecy tropes and foreshadowing. Yeah. The dog rolled up. I was like, it's the Grim. Harry Potter. Ha ha ha. I'm the worst. <laughs> I hate myself so much. He's fluffy. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been great though if that had been the case? And it wasn't if a only. harbinger of humanity's doom. Isn't that what the Grim is? Is it? The Grim, yeah, in Harry Potter? Yeah. From the tea leaves? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking about the dog that Hagrid has. Oh. No, not Fluffy. That's Fluffy. Not Fluffy. Fluffy is excellent. Fluffy is the Cerberus. Cerberus, basically, right? Yeah. Um, so, right back to Kathy about the what yes. she's wearing at her death. She's trying to take off, like, this gauzy shawl that she has but she ends up, because her arm is broken, she ends up pulling it over her face so that we have her wearing blue with a veil like the Virgin Mary, which she's not the mother for, she's not Damien's biological mother, but she's been raising no. him. And so when she gets pushed out the window, we have another like martyrdom happening. Mm-hmm. Although she does not, it's not a martyrdom though, because she's not dying for a cause. She does not want to die. She's actively trying to prevent that from happening. So it's really just a murder. Well, Kathy, sometimes life sucks. But I think that's the imagery they were going for, is like that. Yes. Totally agree. I definitely noticed the same thing, and I was like, oh, cute, guys. Well, also, it's like, I guess, good try, and also, that's wrong. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, so much wrong. Like, made up some Bible. How is she the Virgin Mary? The prophecy stuff. Like, guys, just like... The Bible was scary to begin with. Do you know how many yes. people die in the fucking Bible? Everyone. Everyone. Everyone dies. Exactly. It's full of scary stories. Also, okay, I'm sorry, but like Paul on the road to Damascus, this is scales fell away from his eyes. Why the fuck you had a scale on your eye? Why the fuck not, Mary? Some people have scaly eyes. Don't offend our possible listeners. If you have scales on your eyes, please go into our show notes and follow this link to affordable medical care. <laughs> Because there shouldn't be scales on your eyes, probably. I, I thought they blinded him. Yeah, no, no, he was blinded, and then the scales fell away. But I, I, ever since I was a kid, the very first time I heard that whole scales fell away from his eyes, I was like, you, he couldn't just, like, stop seeing? The scarring fell away. I don't think he had a choice. Yeah, the, that language. No, no, the language oh, of scales on his eyes. Just, like, really, like, me. <laughs> It did what? What did it do? (laughs) I love that every time I ask you to repeat your weird noises, you always do it. No questions asked. That's my favorite thing about you. You always deliver. You're such a good friend. (laughs) There's a lot about me that sucks, but that's not one of those things. Let's talk about prophecy. 
Uh, I, I liked that the photographs didn't pop up until partway through the story, that some of the deaths that had been foretold already happened, and that's when we found out, like, yeah. after the fact. As opposed to, like, seeing the photographs immediately and, like, mm-hmm. us having this information that we found out when Thorne found out. I liked that. They are literal horror movie perfection. I think that adding that into this movie... I don't know. I just really, really love them. Yeah. I think it was so well done. I don't think I've ever seen it in a movie before either. I don't think I've seen it in a movie really like again. Oh yeah. Uh, Final Destination does that. Okay. You're right. Yeah. But they lifted it right out of this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But they made a whole movie just on that motif because that's how effective it was. So. Yes. I actually thought you guys were going to take the nature of prophecy in a different direction because anyone who's read any Greek myth ever will know that when you hear a prophecy that you don't like and you try to prevent it, that's what makes it happen. Yes. In particular, Oedipus, which is a patricide, which is what we have here. So Thorn here, by the way, the name Thorn, that's biblical as well. That's the crown of thorns that we're having, like the to lead into. It took me to like the end to be like, what is his name? Oh, Thorn. Okay, of course it is. Yeah. Damien um, Thorn. Yeah. So he figures out too late, right, that Damien is this actual terrible thing and then he tries to do everything he can to be like no this can't be true and so he goes like on that grand snipe hunt right to try to figure out like who damien's mother is and then they uncover i I, to be honest like i my screen was so poor that i could not see what they had in the coffin what they dug up it looks to me like the skeleton of a horse yeah but i've read somewhere that it's the skeleton of a jackal okay same difference which biblically like Imagery for a jackal makes more sense. Yeah. But also, all animal skeletons at a certain point kind of look like if their face is long, and then they have a body, like, okay, cool. I'm not a, an expert. Yeah. I know this will come as a shock to you and to our listeners. I am not an expert <laughs> on animal skeletons. What a shame. Why are you even here, then? What purpose do you serve? I'm so sorry. I feel like I've misled everyone. You did, a little bit. Well, one of the things that uh, misleads Thorn is that when the the psychiatrist is like she's you know she's decided that she's not stable enough to have this child and wants an abortion and he's like no and he says well I'd like to hear your reason he says because this pregnancy was like it was foretold that this pregnancy would be terminated so he's already like I can't let that happen because somebody told me it was supposed to so like in trying to prevent it he makes it happen well, that's kind of what he does this entire film yeah. but the entire reason like he took this child to do everything is because he was so hellbent on his desire to prove his own fate yeah to prove that his destiny like was in his own hands whereas in a lot of not obviously all but a lot of religious ideologies is that your destiny is not in your hands it's completely out of your hands and a lot of things are predetermined and so he was definitely dead set on proving that he was in control of his own destiny. And Damien was like, fuck that shit. Yeah, well, you have, a, depending on which denomination you're in, Yes. Uh, predestination at various levels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but the person who actually holds Thorne's fate in his hand is the child, as with all children, <laughs> which are... The future. Yeah, and also chaotic yeah, neutral at best. This is just a future... Your devil dog said hello. He's he's so he's killing me right now. Um So yeah, no, like this is just the future that's that's like bleak and terrible in the apocalypse for this particular kid. That's all. I'm sorry. 
It's not funny, but it is funny. I think also it's very weird that Damien has never been sick mm-hmm. in five years. Kids are always sick. Even when they're not sick, they're sick. Yes. Have you ever met a perfectly healthy child that didn't at least have the snottiest nose you've ever fucking no, seen? Every, all of them are sick all of the time. Yes. Well, they're building their immune system. They have no other choice. I mean, sure, right. It's fine. But, like, yeah, that your kid has never had a snotty nose? Liar. That's how you know he's the Antichrist. Right mm-hmm. there. Your kid is not <laughs> full of boogers. Is your kid full of mucus? No? Then he's the Antichrist. Get rid of him. Is your child constantly leaking from every orifice? The devil. <laughs> also, it seems oh like... gosh. Evil is treated like a disease in this film, mm-hmm. uh, wherein it's hereditary and you don't really know your biology. And so that is what makes you dangerous, which I think is not fair because that no. puts a lot of negativity. And I mean, I'm not articulating this really well, but it makes adoption sound bad and dangerous. And it's it does make adoption sound bad. And it's dangerous. a very good and- thing. It's already made to be dangerous and unpredictable in the regular world. And this movie's just like, but it could also be Satan. Right. So like, yeah. Well, and there's two sides to that coin, right? So on the one hand, if you adopt, dear God, it's like Russian roulette. Anything could happen. On the other. Anything can happen when it's your child, too. Or like when you, when it's your biological child, Correct. too. Exactly. That's what I was about to say is that I, I am concerned about this. I have a number of friends who are concerned about this. If you have... Like health issues, mental health issues, especially. It's a terrifying prospect to me to like pass on my stuff mm-hmm. to somebody. Because I can point to exactly where I got it, which means that if I got it from somewhere, I could give it somewhere. I mean, having children is a terrifying, it's already terrifying. prospect. Yeah, for, with good reason. If you are scared, good. That means you're taking it seriously. It's a human life. But you can't be scared because they can smell fear. <laughs> They do, and that's, you know, that's when they bite. That's when they bite. It's Did true. you say that's in the Bible? <laughs> no, I said that's when they bite you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's kind of a fly. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's true. Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. <laughs> um, no, yeah, like, it, it, this movie gave me a lot of feelings about parenthood, and I was just like, I <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to think about this or talk about this and how hard it is. Can we watch this movie again in ten years when I can't have kids anymore? Can we just do that? God, Mary, you have so many feelings. Oh, I got another twenty in me based on my heredity. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Hey. I love it. Mm-hmm. I feel like we need to have a little air holes. <laughs> make that happen. Yeah, can you make that happen? Every time I enter the room, I'm gonna um, make that happen. So let's talk about the Oedipal complex. Let's I know we kind of touched on it, but let's bit. jump head first into this pile of shit. As long as we're talking, as long as we're talking about parents, let's keep going. Yeah. So the inversion of the Oedipal complex, right? That like this movie builds to the conclusion of the father killing the son instead of the other way around. Oh, I have a thing. Ooh, she raised her hands in everything. Satan is always backwards. Mary Kay raised her hand. And now I'm done with my thought. It is her turn. Damn. Call on her. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I, I, Mary Kay, what are you thinking? It's an inversion of the Abraham and Isaac story. Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh my gosh, I wish y'all could see Mary Kay's face right now. It is the most smug listen to the fuck that I just Because it just came to me. Face. Normally it normally it comes to me like in the beginning, and then it just came to me on the fly after you said that. I'm sorry. I'm a little more proud of myself than I should be because that wasn't that great of an observation. But <laughs> but it is, though, and I'm still trying to unpack it. That was another. That was like, why am I thinking faces? I mean, it, it, it's like a semi-inversion, right? Because the, right. the Abraham and Isaac is like, sacrifice your child for the good of the Lord. Because he told you to. Yeah, and this is sacrifice your child for, for the good of like the Lord told you to. Well, kind of. God didn't come down and tell him to do it or stop his hand. Well, it seems like God's not so much into that anymore. He was like, y'all got to hang out with my son for 33 years. You are fine. You should just read the book. Here it is. It's a bestseller. I'm really proud of it. And then (laughs) Oprah put it on her list. Exactly. So like everyone like moves on there. Whereas at Abraham's time, it was like, theologically, that is a thing that God stops communicating directly Mm -hmm. with human beings after Jesus. That's true. So everyone, like, encounters their, their miracle, their messages, their heavenly communication by proxy. Mm-hmm. And if the proxy is some dude who hands you, like, a knife roll and is like, go to town, son. Right. And then whenever the journalist tried to, like, hop in there and grab it, I was like, well, there's your proof. He told you how he was going to die. Like, it was foretold also. Which is why Mary Kay does not fucks with the occult. No. No prophecies. No tarot. No. None of that. Mm-mm. None of that. mm not even a Ouija board? Fuck no. Smash that. So you want me to put my tarot cards and my Ouija board away when you come over next time, not to leave yes, them on please. my... Yes, please. Okay, because I'm pretty sure they were just, like, sitting on the cubby at my coffee table the last time you were over What here. you should do next time she comes over uh-huh. is stick them in her purse. <laughs> really she goes home and she opens it. No, but, like, stick the whole Ouija board in it, so it's, like, sticking way up out of her purse. I have a little like... one. It unfolds. It's a little keychain. No, no, no. I think it's funnier if it's, like, a it's huge the whole... one. No. I can't. Mary can't. Listen. It sounds like it would be funny, but Mary Kay would literally die. She would reach into her purse on the drive home to, like, get something, like, chapstick out of it, and she would pull out a Ouija board, and Mary Kay would just be dead. She would drive off that cliff, the aforementioned cliff. She's shaking her head in slow motion. Mary Kay does not fuck with this idea. This is not a prank. Mary Kay would literally stab us. Number one, I would not stab you. Number two, I would stab (laughs) the cards. Number three, I do not use chapstick. I, that was the most <laughs> unbelievable part of that whole story to me. I didn't know what I was I was going to say lipstick, but, like, in my head, you were leaving at, like, 2 a.m. Uh, at 2 a.m., <laughs> you should still be wearing lipstick. We're civilized, okay? At 2 a.m., I don't give a shit. I don't want to wear a bra or lipstick or pants. Okay? Okay. Oh, my gosh. I'm trying to get off this terrifying tangent. <laughs> Mary Kay's about to like have she looks so nervous right now I've never seen Mary Kay look genuinely like nervous I don't mess around with that listen me and my friend Erin when I went to Boston went to the Lizzie Borden house and they had a Ouija board in the corner and me and her both looked at each other and we were like fucking nah that was the theme of that weekend fucking nah look I also went to the Lizzie Borden house and I want that Ouija board in that house I'm no. all here for it no here you can't you it. shouldn't do that it's not yeah, evil fine. in itself. It just opens a gate. Do you know how many times I've used a Ouija board and have never been haunted? Like, it's fine. That's exactly what you said at the beginning of the movie, Megan. Now you're going to die. Megan, we are all three of color. Are you trying to get us killed? 
I have been playing with Ouija boards since I was like seven years old and never once have been haunted by an You know what Lewis said? I've never been lost a day in my life. This is the brown girl equivalent of that, okay? Good. I would love a ghost to square up in my apartment. I would love to oh, chat yes. with you. Please come. That's why I got a fucking Ouija board. I wanted to talk to ghosts as a child. I don't understand you. Okay, so as the black person on the horror podcast, I'm just <laughs> gonna leave. As the sluttiest <laughs> one, I need to get out of here too. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Are you the sluttiest one? I don't I'm know. trying to catch up. I'm, work- I'm working on it. As the married one. I'm just going to sit here and talk to ghosts. Yeah, you're going to live forever. As the married one, I'm fearless because I have a man to protect me. No, I just... I'm sorry. Your marriage is a beautiful thing and I'm very happy for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all impressed by your... Yeah, we got it. We know this. We love... Andrew's awesome. Clearly your vagina is better than ours and... That's not what I said. But it's pretty great. It's what we deduced, okay? It's what you inferred. All right. It's not what I inferred. Does it take a r- rocket vagina scientist to know? <laughs> rocket. <laughs> oh my god! We were talking about levels of promiscuity. Obviously, I do not have a level of promiscuity anymore. But you could if you really believed in yourself. I just want to say, I have never done anything wrong, ever. Ever? In Obviously. my life. Obviously. Ready, please. <laughs> Obviously. Just kidding. Cut that Parks and Rec reference that nobody liked. I Did you not just see me do the, the money please hand? No, I didn't see it. Money please. Money please. <laughs> I also wanted, I wanted to bring up the fact that, like, at Damien's birthday, right, I looked at that child and was like, somebody get that kid under a faucet and wash his fucking hair and cut it. I just wanted to just point out that I would have done that and I would have seen that birthmark. Well, you are not the mother of the Antichrist, so you don't get to have an opinion on raising the Antichrist. You know, and I am totally fine with my position and lack of authority. That's like every time you try to say anything about how you would parent and people that are parents are like, well, when you actually have kids, like, and you can say something super common sense, like, I wouldn't feed my kid pizza rolls for three meals a day. And they're like, we'll see what you do. And you're like, no, Karen, I wouldn't feed my kid pizza yeah, rolls. Yeah, we gonna see, Karen. We gonna see. Like, all you gotta do is something like stare we gonna see. We gonna see. We'll see, Karen. Karen. We'll see. Yo, Miley, what's Karen. good? Is that what you say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, Karen, what's good? Well, no, what you do is you get your kid posted up, like, eating fucking, like, carrot sticks, nutritious ass, <laughs> just, like, fistfuls of kale, and you get, like, you put it on Instagram on your story, and then you spin it around. What now, Karen? Yo, Karen, what's good? <laughs> Karen, what's good? So oh, your Karen is just, like, inhaling like mustard greens or something full of full of acid. I don't know. He rips Shines open a can of spinach water. and glugs it like Popeye. <laughs> Three. Your kid uh. actually is like breaks open a butternut squash and with its tiny <laughs> muscly fingers is like scooping out raw butternut squash. Digging into a pomegranate with what looks like blood dripping down its face. <laughs> I can't wait until all of our kids are each other's nemeses. That's going to be like oh my, my dream generation. I'm, I'm ready for it's it. It's so great. Everyone go get impregnated immediately. And wash your kids' hair. And then after you get impregnated and you have a kid, wash your kids' hair, everybody. Yeah. At the very least, like when he's not looking and he's running off, like dry shampoo him for his birthday party. Just hose that shit down. <laughs> We all do it. We Febreze it a little bit. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate your suggestion about the impregnation. 
Yes. <laughs> oh, it wasn't a suggestion. It was it was literal instructions. You have it. <laughs> I thought you were going to back off and you doubled down. You are not a demon Rottweiler, so I don't. You have don't to know what I am. You do not know. You've met me one time. Wow, you're going to play that? Okay. Okay, Kara, we going to see. <laughs> um, oh my God, okay, wait. Real quick, before we before we get into the, the, the last of the goods, the music in this is so great. So great. And yeah, so, so scary wonderful. and so wonderful. And this motherfucker did not go to the Oscars because he'd been nominated several times and lost every time and didn't want to put himself through losing again and won his only Academy Award when he wasn't there. Yep. Doesn't that just like doesn't that just touch your heart? I hear Alanis Morissette singing her hat her her hat hit single ironic in the background. Her hat. Did you I, was her hat say, single? I, I was gonna say hot. I don't I forgot what I was trying to say. Connor, we're gonna try this again. I hear Alanis. It's also none of those examples that she uses are actual irony. No, they're not. No. Okay. That's that's what's ironic, Mary Kay. You're right. I see. It's meta. <laughs> I didn't know that. I don't think it is. I think she was just very young. Like, yeah. But whatever. Jagged Little Pill was one of the first CDs I ever owned, and it had the F word on it, and I was so excited. Oh, my gosh. It is a bomb-ass record. I got it for my ninth birthday at my mom's house and my daddy's house. I have one at each God, house. I had jagged little pill everywhere. I had two jagged little pills. <laughs> well, that's the perfect amount, I think. Because you have two mouths, right? <laughs> so you can take one here and take one. That would be horrifying. I don't like this. New thing. Connor, New thing. Is this scary if you aren't Catholic, if you aren't Christian, if you don't believe in Satan? Then I said, defend your position. I'm ready to defend my position. Bring it. As the person that is not religious, yes. This is still a scary movie if you are none of these things. Because you don't have to believe in the Bible for the Bible to be scary. Number one, whether you believe in it or not, it's a horrific story on its own. And, well, not all of the Bible, obviously. I'm mostly talking like, about, like, the scary parts. Yes. Also, you, I feel like, in general, when you're reading a book or watching a movie, you don't have to identify with the narrative or the themes necessarily to find it appealing or scary or off-putting, etc. Because, yeah, I find myself, like, I don't find myself in a lot of horror films that I watch, and I still find the genre as a whole to be appealing and the stories to be enjoyable. But as far as this movie in particular, if you've got creepy, mostly made-up, biblical passages paired with (laughs) evil demon children and an eerie soundtrack, that equals spooky. The end! Does anybody else have anything to say on if it's scary or not? No, I mean, I think it's, well, it's the kind of thing, I remember asking my dad, like, years ago, if he believed in demons. I'd gotten into this, like, spat where I was watching, like, staying up late, watching a lot of, like, Discovery Channel demon possession documentaries. Oh, damn, you done goofed. And I asked him about it, (laughs) thinking that he would comfort me by saying, no, because he's a Lutheran reverend, so, no, we don't believe in demons or demon possession, that fun thing. But he just said, obviously, I believe there are things that can't be explained. Well, yeah. Which makes sense. Me he's too, a pastor. but... He's a pastor, right? Like, that. his mm-hmm. entire career is founded on a belief in things that can't be explained. And I was just like, this did not yeah, go not the way the answer I that I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that... I didn't feel scared, really, watching this, which is amazing. It's uncomfortable more than it is, like, yeah. scary. Because there's not a lot of, like 
jump scares. There's some images that stick with you and it's uncomfortable. I had a preemptive nightmare about this, which is bizarre. I haven't had one of those since we started doing the podcast, but I had a nightmare the night before I watched it in which the kid who plays Damien was like demoning it up everywhere. And I hadn't even seen the movie yet. I didn't know what was going to happen. I just knew that there was a demon child. It's really scary. Yeah. Prophecy. I think I just kind of worked myself up about it. I think I I just... See, and it wasn't that bad. You were scared for nothing. No, I I think also, I haven't been sleeping super well. I think it just, there's been a lot of transition and a lot going on. So things are really surface. So my dreams in general have been really weird and unsettling lately. So I think that that was just kind of right there. But it's definitely one of those moments where I was like, huh, it's weird to realize how much that was out in front of me. I wasn't thinking about it in my day-to-day life. I wasn't dreading it. In fact, I was looking forward to it and I enjoyed it a lot. I just, you know, yeah. what gets its hooks into you can surprise you. It's true. Yeah. But speaking of things that make this movie kind of eerie, mm-hmm. I think it's also scary. And we kind of talked about it in the beginning, though, about... The idea that the priest is supposed to be the person ultimately that you should be able to trust and that is ultimately the person that they were betrayed by in this film and that you have the idea that you're trying to prove something and you want to prove something so badly that it kind of overtakes you. And I think Mm -hmm. that's also pretty scary, the paranoia and all of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, can you imagine how terrible it would be if... You made a questionable choice, and then no one found out for years and years. And then when they did, you had to pay for your questionable choice like you would have in the first place if somebody found out immediately. Oh my god, Mary. (laughs) Mary Kay, will you tell me about this? Paranoia versus actual evil. Yeah, I mean, we did kind of talk about it earlier, but I don't think those are mutually exclusive, and I also don't think they're the same. I think there's some overlap there. Mm -hmm. But I think that... Paranoia is scary enough by itself, even if you don't believe in the concept of evil. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's actually a little bit scarier because you are responsible for your own thoughts. You're not responsible mm-hmm. if someone else is controlling you, um, which is right. the case from what I understand. Like, I, I was not raised Catholic. All of my knowledge of exorcism comes from the book The Right. You guys know about that book? Yeah. It's a movie, too, but apparently they're very, very different. The yeah. right is actually nonfiction, and it follows a priest who goes into the right of learning how to exercise yeah. demons from people. The book is incredible. The movie is shit. Anthony Hopkins is the only good thing about it, and barely. Well, Anthony Hopkins, I mean, he could do anything magnificent. That is one of the, like, four horror movies I've ever seen before this podcast, is The Right. But the, the book is actually, it's not... So, I don't want to say it's not scary. It definitely has elements of horror in it, but it it, it approaches something that is typically looked at um, as either nonsense or a scare tactic or like a fairy tale Mm -hmm. in a very factual way. Educational kind of way. Yeah. So, uh, and our protagonists are uh, the main character, that the person that it's about is learning this as we're learning it. So that's pretty cool. I have it on audiobook. I had to slow him down a little bit, but I also haven't finished the whole thing because it was just, it was freaking me out and I had a lot to like <laughs> uh, digest uh, while I was yes. listening to it. But from what I've heard so far, if you are possessed by a demon, you are not responsible for the things that your body does while that's happening because you're not in charge of it anymore. Right. I was going to ask how that goes. So like if you're possessed by a demon, like in a religious sense. I mean, it's different if you invite the demon into you. But if it's a... Define invite the demon into you. Then you are, because that is 
But how do you invite the, like, what are some bulleted list ways that Probably you Probably what you do is you, like, take out a, take out a Ouija board and you're like, yep. hello, I am Megan. And Acting as a medium, all of that. And is this yeah. only, you're only not responsible for the things that your body does if you're a religious person. No, it's if it is not something that you willed. Like, it was okay. not your decision. Yeah. I don't really understand all of it, so I don't want to say it and misspeak. But if anybody's listening knows more about it than I do, please let us know. Tell us. Yeah, because I do want to know more about it. It's very scary to me also, so I I am oversimplifying it for the sake of being able to compartmentalize it in my life. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I think that that is part of it too. And that's just the Catholic, the Roman Catholic that Mm -hmm. I've heard of. Like every denomination is probably different because that's not the belief that I was taught growing up about yes. demons which doesn't make it more or less right necessarily it's just like what this movie's Different. conceit should ascribe to well, yeah i was gonna say like for lutherans like demons aren't a thing like satan is real mm-hmm. but demon possession is not a thing exorcism is not for lutherans yeah it's yeah. not a yeah. right in the lutheran church like that's why the whole story about my dad like blessing the rooms is so funny because like right. that's not so much not i mean he can he can like make water like, you can sanctify, like, water for a baptism and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But he, he's, it, like, we don't have demons or demon possession as part of the, like, theological world. Right. And even as I was reading this book, and Megan, you can, you probably remember more about it than I do, but um, while he's going through the training, they're like, we want you to go through this, you know, this rite. And he goes, I didn't know that was a thing. He's a priest, and he didn't know that that was a thing that was considered yeah. serious because it is looked at as, as much of it as, like, remnants of religions from which people were converted or like people who are mm-hmm. ill-trained like you've heard of Annalise what's her last name who was thought to be possessed and she was essentially tortured to death oh my gosh I know who you're talking about and I can't think of her name the exorcism of Emily Rose is based on her yeah so I mean I think even for many Catholics it's like that is a lot of superstition that mm-hmm. is not Real? I mean, not, it's not really bought into much anymore. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Um, but even in, in this book that I read, which is, again, a book, like, it's just one thing. He was saying, like, well, it's most of the time done wrong by people who don't really know what they're doing. And that's why it's so dangerous. And that's why everyone is, like, erring on the side of caution of, like, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I do think, though, that it's different from the Antichrist. Because that is yeah, a rotten absolutely. human. Like, that's not anything inside of someone else's body that is all the way down. Its own entity. Evil, pure yeah. evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, which is also different from paranoia, which is the thing that I was, like, the three things that are commonly associated that are confused for one another in film and probably in life as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is the very downbeat note on which this outline ends. <laughs> So, Wait, think of a closer. Uh, yeah, closing upbeat. question. That's upbeat. Ooh, um, I had some. We could talk about what would be a much, much more awesome way for Omen Two to go. Like now that we know he's in the president's house, like what is the version that starts with a montage to Damien waking up to walking on sunshine? Like the comedy version of Omen Two. Oh my god, I literally don't even understand the question that you're asking, but I just see this movie trailer, but being set to Walking on Sunshine. Yeah, but no, okay, so like Omen Two is a horror movie. Yes. If there were a comedy version where like, oh no, Antichrist in the White House, what would it be? Like what would happen? Like that movie Blank Check with Macaulay Culkin. Oh my god, yeah. I used to love that stupid movie. Mm-hmm. Like if instead of a horror movie it had like Sinbad and this kid Damien in the White House. 
And like there was like a cameo by 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 Donald Trump back in the eighties, you know. What would this be? Um, he wakes up, goes down a water slide of blood into a ball pit <laughs> full of eyeballs and entrails. Oh my god, I wanna be invited to this party. <laughs> no, that's just a normal day. That's just a Tuesday. He's walking on sunshine. You know, like he's just It's very Patrick Bateman. Like he has headphones on. Yeah. Yeah. He's just like walking down the hallway and like punching the portrait of Abraham Lincoln like (laughs) (laughs) What would since we're talking about Patrick Bateman, what would Damien put into the ATM? His dad. I was gonna say, like his parents probably right. Oh my god, you're right. Never mind. Yeah. Oh my god. He's just like walking around the White House with his dog, like and the dog is like savagely killing people behind him while he like struts down the hall and is walking. So thank you guys for listening through this fashionably downbeat episode about a very scary movie that was actually very scary to me and not a whole lot to make fun of. But on next week's episode, that's right next week because it's october it's our birthday month and yes we do celebrate our birthday for a whole month i can't believe we're one year old yeah we're gonna have a mini episode for you guys which is kind of a reprise from when is it reprise or reprise i'm not i'm not smart enough for that question i'm sorry okay you guys know i know how to spell it i've never heard it aloud it's that thing um about it's an r e-p-r-i-s-e yes that word um (laughs) we're gonna do it again with the three of us we're going to do Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz and Stephen Gamble. If you don't have these books, I don't know what your childhood was like, but you should definitely get them. They're like $10 for the box set on eBay or Amazon. And they're amazing, and they're a perfect Halloween gift for your child. So we're going to be having a lot of fun reading those to each other and overreacting to all of them. So Like we do best. Yeah, so we'll talk to you next week about Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Thank you, guys. Don't forget to tell all your friends about us and let us know what you want to hear. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We love you. It's all for you, podcast. It's all for you. you. Oh, no.